welcome to the Wheel of Sport, brought to you by Melbourne's Turnstile Network. This is the podcast that's home to the greatest sports stories ever told. My name's Ian McNally, and with me... Hello there, it's Matt Lavery, Matt Lavery. How are you? <laughs> so good they named him twice. I'll try it, give it oh, a go. Well played. Thanks. That, you, is that a bit like when, you know, they were deciding on uh, the format when telephones were invented mm-hmm. and they had a choice between the word hello or ahoy ahoy. I did, I did hear that, yeah. yeah. You, sh- you would have been an ahoy ahoy man. 100%. <laughs> So let's get this is the this is the podcast where we spin the wheel that gives us a topic and then we delve into some sort of historical story from sporting past. So let's get the wheel spinning and we'll see what the wheel throws up today. This bruised and battered, harassed wheel. It's a thing of beauty. It still sounds the same on every episode. It's it's very, very positive, uh, the life of this wheel. So this episode, the topic is Against all odds, Matt, this is, uh, look, probability can throw up many different things, but against all odds, this is great. It is indeed. So, um, uh, would you you like to take this? I'd love to take it. I'd love to take it. I have an amazing story here that I want to share with you and our... Come on, don't build it it up. No, it's it's unreal. (laughs) Um, It's this, uh, this guy, he has an amazing career spanning two decades where he reaches these unbelievable heights, only to suffer devastating and heartbreaking setbacks, just to return again with these remarkable returns. Um, throughout his career, he won the Stanley Cup twice with the Pittsburgh Penguins, the Conn Smythe Trophy twice as playoffs MVP, the Art Ross Trophy six times as the NHL's top scorer, the Hart Trophy three times as the league's most valuable player, and he had 10 100-point seasons. And yet he still didn't reach his potential. Do you know his name? It's Mario Lemieux. You didn't give me a chance there. That's exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> I Lemieux that. And <laughs> I would say, I'd also, this is, I'm at the only one I recognise there was the Stanley Cup, Stanley which is Cup. ice hockey, it isn't is. it? And what do you know about ice hockey? I know that they don't, they don't play with a ball. It's one, one of the few sports where they have a net, but not a ball. Yes. Are you aware of the sports that have a net and not a ball? So lacrosse, ice hockey. Uh, I think lacrosse has a ball, doesn't he? Oh yeah. <laughs> See, he failed on a bit. So I'll, I'll very quickly, uh, you've got uh, badminton. Yes. Ice hockey. Um, you've got fishing. Oh yeah! Here we go. You're going to tell a joke <laughs> and uh, and boxing with a net. You've with, told with, this before. <laughs> only to oh, you, poor listeners. <laughs> I don't no, think I've told this on a podcast. You Surely have. not. I think I have as well. <laughs> What a disgrace. Sorry. <laughs> Annette, the lady who walks around with the... Uh, we, we'll probably cut that. <laughs> Mario Lemieux. Mario Lemieux. I know very little about ice hockey. I know they use a net, but not a ball. I know that they're, they're quite... There's, there's a, a bit of violence, isn't there? They, they oh, can yes. kind of take the gloves off and, uh-huh. and get stuck into each other That's legitimately. Uh-huh. I remember playing, was it um, some sort of game on the Sega Mega Drive? Oh, yes. Like back in the day. Where I it, had that, I reckon. Yeah, and it, it just kind of, you could start fights and it was very alien to um, a, a young man from the north of England to be yeah. playing this game where you could just you're start laying You're allowed to fight. Yeah, you're allowed to lay into each other. And I also, I've also been to some uh, cities across North America which are crazy for ice hockey. So 
Edmonton, Calgary. Calgary was the one which was insane. We were talking to some guys there and they were telling us what happens when you you win the cup, that it's just game it's on and it's just yeah. pandemonium. And I think it's something that I'm not really exposed to uh, growing up in the UK, but there, my goodness. Yeah. So I know that clearly there's people passionate about it. Well, I'm really excited to find out about Mario here. Well, it's funny growing up I, in the UK, ice hockey is obviously not a major sport, but I actually played junior ice hockey for the Dome Wasps, who uh, are, are now out of business and no longer exist. Well, because but, of you. <laughs> uh, yeah, sort of. <laughs> um, yeah, but they, they were actually the UK's most successful team. They had some really? success, yeah, in North America, uh, playing against American and Canadian teams. Not me. <laughs> the adults team. <laughs> I was playing in the under nines or something. Um, what, what made you do that? Oh, my parents. Oh, they made so they made me yeah. because they presumably they they didn't like you. Get off, <laughs> get off the Sega Mega Drive. Get off the Mega Drive and skate around beating other people up. That's it. <laughs> anyway, Mario Lemieux, the king of the comeback. Let me tell you his story. So he was born in 1965 in Montreal, and he grows up uh, with his two brothers, and he gets into ice skating. I think about three or four years old. Um, how's this? His dad is so into ice skating that when there's uh, when when there's, there's no ice um, outside of the the church where they used to go ice skating in the car park, he would bring snow into the front room of his house, press it down, and they would practice yes. skating in their front room on a carpeted floor. Allegedly, what's that about? How cold must it have been in their house? <laughs> I'm just thinking, like, what are you doing? That's ridiculous. Allegedly, that's where he, that's was where he's learning to ice skate, and he's talked about it. Do you remember that, like, they used to sell this snow plastic snowman in like the Argus catalog or whatever in the UK, and it had like you could put ice into it, and then you stirred it around, and it made like a, a slurpy right thing. Yeah, like a drink. I, yeah, yeah, but like. The, on the box, it had like loads of snow kind of flooding into your living room. <laughs> it's like, he's, but it didn't work. He, this guy's, he's gone to something, isn't Absolutely. he? Absolutely. Um, yeah, uh, Jean Guy was his name, <laughs> the dad. Um, anyway, so. What a guy. What a guy. So Mario, I mean, he he's a guy and a big guy growing up. So as a junior player playing in Quebec, he's absolutely smashing it you know he's, he's bigger physically and he, he's setting bigger records he actually um joined a team in quebec who, who'd finished bottom for the previous two seasons of their league when he came in they won the league every year that he <laughs> wow. was there um and he during that period uh, in 1983 and 1984 so as a junior player he's smashing the all-time records uh, in the Qu- quebec league um, including those set by his idol, a, a Canadian player called Guy Lafleur. Lemieux is blessed with size, skill, agility, reach and power. And he's making huge waves in the Junior League. Um, and, and people can really identify this guy as a sort of up-and-coming star. So what is the ideal physique for a an ice hockey player? Because he... You know, you think in one one respect you need to be big, uh-huh. but you also need to be quick and, and also it might help to be a bit more slender. Yeah, and, and you're low, wearing low, quite a lot of gear, aren't you? Well, he was unusual in his size because he was six with his ice skates on. He was over six foot seven. To be that far up from the <laughs> ice, you know, yeah, you, you're really sort of 
have to get down low and have a low center of gravity. Presumably, but- he was so tall that he could put his stick in the air and collect the snow for his dad's living room. <laughs> <laughs> well, he was so tall and his reach was so so long that that would really affect the other players because he can sort of reach out and, yeah. and nick, you know, holding the holding a stick, nick the puck from the other players. So size, in a way, is a, in in Mario's case, is a real advantage. And as I say, he's, he's physically just a specimen as a as a as a younger man, as a teenager. And the National Hockey League, as as you may know, every year have a have a draft um, and are drawing in amateur players and, and college players from around the state and Canada. There's there's rumours that the Pittsburgh Penguins deliberately lost their final few games so that they could finish bottom and get the first draft pick just to take on Mario Lemieux. I mean, they're not admitting it, but they, it's sort of alleged in a lot of places that they were actually in a race to finish bottom just so that they could have first pick. And obviously their first pick was Mario Lemire. Wow. So, because the draft system is just a way of evening out the league, isn't it? It's where you get all the, the clubs who finish last, they get the first couple they get of to picks choose the or first whatever player. it is. Yeah, exactly. And, it's on, and then the team who finish top, they get the last of the, 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 the bunch. Yeah. And it's unusual for a Canadian player to be the first pick. Lemire was actually the first player since his idol, Guy Lafleur, to get that first first pick from, from Canada. La premier choix, number 66, Mario Lemieux. When I got drafted in 84 by, uh, by Pittsburgh, uh, I remember going to the airport and having uh, Paul Stargewall pick me up. He's sitting in the back of this limo, and he had this regal quality about him. He looked like a prince coming to his new kingdom. He's now with the Pittsburgh Penguins, and he's synonymous with them. Uh, he's, he's a one-club guy. So he starts his career there in, in 1984. And, and the, the team are a mess. When he joins the Pittsburgh Penguins, they're, they're in absolute disarray. Um, they so only, what he is, he's 19, is he? When he around uh, 19? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah 19, when, he, when he joins 20. them. He comes in. The previous year, they only won 16 games, which is not a lot. They play a lot of games. Their fans are miserable. They're now averaging less than seven thousand a game, which is just drastic. And it's they're in such a such dire straits that there's talk of the franchise being sold and relocating the team to to a different part of either, uh, America or, or elsewhere. Presumably, they could only move to other places beginning with a P yeah. to keep the alliterative <laughs> penguin. <laughs> Great name, though, isn't it? It sounds so friendly and like it does. Yeah, it doesn't but- sound. In any way threatening. But because of Batman, it oh, sounds right. yeah, like, okay. like there's a sinister yeah. edge to it as well. <laughs> it's like, and also birds that can't fly. It seems, it's very interesting. <laughs> but so so they're in a horrible shape. They're in a they've horrible shape. The, they've got the best pick. But surely one, like one player, well, one swallow doesn't make a summer, you know, like. Well, in Mario's case, he pretty much does. Um, I mean, in, in his first ever shift, the, his first shot that he ever takes, he scores. Um, and, and to get that, he had to force this all-star player called Ray Burke of the Boston Bruins into a turnover. He nicks the ball off him, sorry, nicks the puck off him and scores with pretty much his first ever 
professional shot. The crowd excited, and there is Mario Lemieux, and he is off, racing it all alone. Lemieux, his first shot on goal, and he scores! He, he scores over 100 points that year. He wins Rookie of the Year, but the Penguins are still a mess. They're not really going anywhere, even though they've got this unbelievable young player. And it's pretty much more of the same for sort of the, the following season. The Penguins, they improve. And again, it's largely down to Mario. Uh, he's the second highest scorer in the league behind Wayne Gretzky, who's... I know Wayne. Everybody knows Wayne. Well, there, there's so many comparisons between Wayne Gretzky and Mario Lemire. That Lemieux, when he's uh, chosen his number, when he's been picked out of the the Canadian Junior League, he's deliberately chosen number 66 on his back. Wayne Gretzky wears number 99, and he's sort of inviting comparisons uh, between the two of them. He really sort of thrives under that pressure uh, of of being sort of compared to one of the the greats. So in 86, he's the second highest scorer behind Gretzky. But then in 87... Wayne Gretzky's also Canadian. They go to the Canada Cup and he plays alongside other real all-star players rather than the mob from the Pittsburgh Penguins. He's suddenly playing with top, top players from across the league uh, representing Canada. Uh, Canada win the tournament um, and he scores the winning goal in the final, uh, the tournament scoring goal uh, against the Soviet Union. And he comes back from that tournament and it's different. You know, he's now looking to elevate his team. He's learned so much from playing with these higher, higher level players. Remarkably, on New Year's Eve of that year, he scores five goals in one game in five different ways, um, which is the only time in history of ice hockey anyone's ever done that. I mean, so is this a bit like when you're when a, a soccer player scores a hat trick? Yeah, they score with left, left foot, foot, right foot, foot header. header. Exactly. So what? How? What are the five ways? I know. I mean, <laughs> I mean, but they're, they're unbelievable. Would you like to take a guess what, on any of them? Uh, one side of the. I was going to call it what the, the bat. <laughs> <laughs> That's why your career didn't take off if you're playing hockey uh, with a bat. <laughs> what? You're you? not going to get these at all. Okay, go on. Just okay. fire away. So number I'm one, glad, glad you put that <laughs> to bed very quickly. <laughs> Okay, so on the power play, shorthanded, on a penalty shot, at full strength, and into an empty net are the five categories of goals you can score. (laughs) Don't ask me to define any of them. That sounds like me getting ready in the morning to get out of their house. (laughs) Here comes Lemieux, left side, passing to Francis, just on to Lemieux in front there. He is! He's now the first player to ever to ever do this. Uh, as I say, he's the captain, and he, he and that's the sort of start of his career. So, do you think, like, even at the what he's he's around early twenties now? It's like twenty two or something now. Yeah, he's had this experience. Now, do you, is he must know how good he is? Is he showboating? Is he thinking if I do this, I'll be the only pet? Do you think he's in that no. frame of mind, or do you just think he's just not at all a natural I mean, talent? He's he, quite modest. He's trying his best. He's he's scoring goals, but it's for his team, and he he leads his team onto to great things. So as I say, he's 
he's been the second highest scorer. He's been, you know had individual uh, recognition, but th- from there on in, it's it's all about the team. So well, and himself. So it, it, the thing is, though, in 1990, shortly after he's made captain, um, so the Pittsburgh Penguins are climbing the league every year, um, but he starts to have severe pain, and it's so painful. He can't lift his own leg over the board to to enter the the ice. Um, so you're gonna jump over. Well, you've got yeah to enter. You've got to sort of step over the the boards. Wow. He can't do it. So he actually has to lift, grab his trousers and lift lift his trousers to move his leg because his his he's having this severe pain in his back. He's playing through the pain, um, but eventually he has to stop and he misses 21 games. But he returns for the season finale. Um, the Penguins had to win. He scores, gets two assists, but they weren't enough and they, they lost the game 3-2 to the Buffalo Sabres. And, and he has to go away and have back surgery. But an infection sets in and doctors say, you, they're worried that he'll never walk again, let alone play ice hockey again or be an athlete again. Um, so he's off his feet for three months. But in January 1991... Only a few months after he's had back surgery and the infection, he's back on the ice and he leads the Penguins to the playoffs. Um, at the playoffs, he's the top scorer with 44 points. Um, they win the Stanley Cup. He wins uh, an award for player of the season, which is the Con Smythe Trophy. The following season, his back's still bad and he misses 16 games, but he's still the league's top scorer and... <laughs> As for the third time in his career, his goals lead the Penguins to win the Stanley Cup again. They retain it, which is pretty much unheard of. Penguins winning it once is unbelievable. They've now won it back to back. And he's uh, retaining his personal trophies of the, the Con Smythe trophy, as I say. So he's now been talked about as the greatest player in NHL history. You know, they're talking about him in terms of better than Wayne Gretzky because... The difference is Mario Lemieux is doing it with an awful team and he's just retaining trophies, scoring all of these An goals. awful team, a bad back yep. and missing heaps of the season yet still dominating the stats. That's it. So, but <laughs> That's quite scary. It's quite it? remarkable, isn't it? And they're now saying, he, he sort of thinks in his head, right, well, Wayne Gretzky scored 215 points in a season. He's won all of these trophies. Well, I'm going to go after them. So... He's now wants to break individual records and with his team, who, you know, he absolutely loves the Pittsburgh Penguins, get them a third Stanley Cup in a row. So he's on track for this in the 92-93 season. It gets around to January um, and any announcers, he's been diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma and, you know, people are, are seriously concerned. You know, it totally shocks the, the whole sport. Um, and, he, and he's saying, I don't know where, where you know, what's going to happen. I've got to go and have radiation treatment, um, but I don't want to give up. I, I want to keep playing. So um, this is in this is in January. He, he makes this announcement. He goes off. He gets his radiation treatment. In March, he's back on the ice. March the following year. March, like yeah, two months later. Okay, so just that, just the eight weeks off. Yeah, just yeah, the eight weeks yeah. off. Exactly. Great. <laughs> so we, so, but at the very start of this episode, 
you said that this guy didn't fulfill his potential. <laughs> well, like, but, you know, all right, maybe he's fulfilling his potential in terms of the limitations his body... He's been provided. ...provided with, yeah. It's one of those where you think, what would this guy be achieving if he didn't have to keep missing games because of his bad back, his back operation, his infection, he's now cancer... Um, I was going to say, like, sometimes, you know, like, superheroes get hit by radiation and become superheroes. Yeah. Like, he's done the reverse. He's a superhero who's had to have radiation. But it, and but, he's back. So what happens in March? He, must, yeah. he must be a shadow of... Well, no, not at all. He comes back. He's back on the ice. You know, as he does, back on the ice, immediately scores and gets an assist. Um, they lost that game. And you think, all right, well, yeah, maybe that was just his return. Well, his return sparks a revival where the Penguins go on to win 15 games in a row and they finish top of the league, securing the President's Trophy for their first time. Um, And he is once again the league's top scorer. Goodness me. (laughs) Having had to miss two months of the season (laughs) for cancer treatment. In July of 93... He then has to have a second back operation, having just had the the cancer treatment there the the year before. So he can only play 22 games the following season, and he's wrecked. Uh, Only. Only 22, yeah. And he's wrecked. So he just says, you know what, I'm going to take two years off. Sorry, I'm going to take a year off to recover. So he sort of steps away from the sport, gets his health set, and he returns in 1995. Well... It worked that year off. It absolutely worked because in 1995 to 1997, he won another two scoring titles. He was awarded the Hart Trophy in 1996. He notched his 600th career league goal and made the first all-star team both times. He's not stopping. Anyway, 97 comes around having, having done all of this amazing stuff. And he says, you know what? I think it's time for me to retire. At this point, he's absolutely setting record. He's set all these incredible records, 1,494 total career points, including 613 goals. And the Hockey Hall of Fame, they normally have rules about not inducting anybody into their Hall of Fame for three years because, you know, for Lemure, they say, no, it's Go all on, right. son. They put him in immediately. He's inducted in 1997, straight after he retires. But he's not done yet. Come on. Part of me, I'm I'm really conflicted with my emotions listening to this because part of me just wants wants you to say, like, I want to rescue him from himself. I almost want to sit him down and just go, you don't have to do all this. Just relax. You've been ill. You've got a bad back. Just hang up the skates and just relax. But it just seems like he's incapable of doing that. He absolutely is. So... In in 2000, December 2000, he's now 35 years old. He just returns to playing for the Penguins again. And it's because his four years, he, he explained it as, well, my, my four-year-old boy wanted to see me play because he hadn't played since his four-year-old had been born. Um, but could he could he not just got some snow out of the garden, yeah, put it in the living room, in the room and, and said, he son, watch Maybe this. his wife wasn't having it. I don't <laughs> but the thing is, so when he retired, the Penguins who, as I say, have been a shambles, uh, despite Mario's, Super Mario's best efforts to turn them into something. The Penguins have ended up going bankrupt, but they owed him a lot of money, like tens of millions of dollars, like $40 million. Um, and they've gone bankrupt, and he's basically first in line as a, as a creditor. Um, 
so they're going into administration they're bankrupt they you know the administrators are speaking to to super mario about it and he says well do you know what why don't we scrap the debt and all that money you owe me and i'll just take some shares in uh i'll take it on i'll i'll own the uh i'll own the pittsburgh penguins and i'll I'll put myself back on the roster. So he's able to, to play some games. But he's not a chairman or an owner who's just putting himself in because he's the owner. He plays the season and he's selected again in the all-star team of the season. He plays another four years, Ian. Another four years. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. In I'm, that time, I'm, he references- exo- I'm absolutely exhausted listening to this. Yeah, he's the owner of the Pittsburgh Penguins. He's, he's win- he wins a gold medal, Olympic gold medal for Canada. He's still out there um, <laughs> for another four years <laughs> before finally, well, like at 2005. What the- did he win the gold medal for? Defiance. <laughs> <laughs> Just- <laughs> Against <It's> all odds. Extraordinary. <laughs> well, in 2005. He's forced to retire. This time, it's because it's due to an irregular heartbeat. My heartbeat's irregular, <laughs> listen, listen, listening to this. <laughs> well, throughout his career, he's, uh, he's averaged 2.01 uh, points per game, which is a number bested only by Gretzky. Countless individual awards, countless most valuable players, countless top scorers, and multiple titles with... A team, the Pittsburgh Penguins, yeah, were absolute shambles when he came in, and a shambles after he left the first time, and and to this day, he's still the the owner of the club, and they're they're going well. Wow, like to be in that situation, be that good, and most players that good would start with a team like the Pittsburgh Penguins and quickly move on. Yeah, move like, on, uh, follow the money. You know, they surely have interest all this. There must have been something special about the Pittsburgh Penguins or the or the city or whatever it was. They just chimed with him and yeah. really captured him. Like he mustn't be able to buy a drink when he goes home. Was he? Like, no, he's got he's got the uh, the freedom of the city or the keys to the city or whatever it's called. I mean, yeah, local hero. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That is, oh, man, I am genuinely exhausted listening to that. That is so. Mind-boggling. Like, Mario, I am so uh, in awe of you. The king of the comeback. But that's that's the real stinker of it, that people think of the best players in ice hockey. And obviously Wayne Gretzky is the one that everyone knows and everyone talks about outside of the sport. And, you know, nothing wrong with Wayne Gretzky. Like, <laughs> he's obviously a top player who taught Mario a lot when they work together for the national team in Canada, there's always that feeling of, oh, you're number two. But you had a lot of obstacles to overcome. I think, yeah, I think the combination of, of the illnesses, the setbacks, his, his age as well at the later end of his career, but yeah. still a level of achievement. Either- still in the all-star team at like 39 years old. What I love is he sort of, um, not debut, but, well, yeah, it happened on his debut, but it's like every time he returns after a, a spell out, he scores, he sort of makes that his signature move. Like, what a signature. Oh, I haven't played in a while, so better score. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, I think we can safely put Mario down as the only person who's made the Penguins fly. So... <laughs> 
Brilliant story, Matt. And uh, join us again next time for more of the greatest sports stories ever told on the Wheel of Sport. Make sure you tell your friends about us. That's probably the best way of other people finding out about this podcast. Um, you know, our advertising budget isn't what it was. And um, we'd just like to have a thank thank you to uh, Riding Heaven from the UK, who gave us a five-star review. He said, great insight into the world of sport, very informative and entertaining. I That's the review I would have written about this podcast, but really nice to have someone... 10,000 miles away writing that and uh, also one from a while ago but we didn't pick up on this one Matt because it's from the USA of all places right so Disc World Vimes hope I'm pronouncing that right uh, said love the podcast fun mix of sports history and banter hoping for more episodes about cricket and snooker okay well we could do that if the wheel allows us if the wheel allows I think we've done one on cricket one on snooker Discworld Vimes, I hope you're still with us. If you are, you know, get in touch on Twitter or Instagram at The Wheel of Sport. We'd love to hear from you. Same ride in heaven as well. And please leave a review wherever you get your podcasts. That would really help us and uh, give us a bit of encouragement. You know, That's what we need. We're doing this in a very small room with a very small wheel. And, uh, we, you know, don't we, call it the wheel just, small. <laughs> it just. Don't disparage the wheel. <laughs> don't disparage the wheel. Absolutely not. Sorry. (laughs) Sorry, Wheel. I didn't mean it. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you again on The Wheel of Sport. Thanks, Matt. Thank you so much. Bye-bye.